Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How we doing? It's uh, great to have you guys with us today. We are kicking off a brand new series called Being Courageous in a Cancel Culture. And what we're talking about is the book of Daniel. And we're going to look at the person of Daniel and how he was courageous in a culture 2,600 years ago that wanted to cancel him out. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 1 this morning. It's Daniel chapter 1. Um, have you ever been through a crisis or been through a situation in your life and somebody says to you, well-meaning, well, God's in control? Has that ever happened to you before? Like, it's, it, it happened to me, right? And people mean well by that. They don't, they don't mean harm. But can we be honest about that statement? I don't think they know what that means. <laughs> and certainly the person going through a crisis, a trial, or tragedy has no clue what that means. I mean, does that mean God's in control? I mean, what do you mean by that? Did God cause this? Uh, did God want this to happen? There's so many unanswered questions when somebody says that. And usually the reason they say that to you is because you're going through a situation that has caused anxiety in your life. And they're trying to give you peace by telling you God's in control of things. Now, we all have anxiety. Anxiety is not this thing where, you know, you curl up in a ball and get in a bed and you're not going to leave the bed ever and you're just depressed, right? Some people, now, maybe that is your, I guess, expression of anxiety, but everybody has anxiety. Some people, when life seems out of control and they're going through anxiety, they get angry. They get frustrated, short-tempered. Other people, when anxiety hits, they become enablers and they're codependent with other people. We all have anxiety that hits us when life seems out of control. And that's when somebody comes and says, well, well, God, well, God's in control. And if, I don't know about you, but that doesn't help at all. And what I want to do is, is I want to kind of answer the question today, what does it really mean for God to be in control, especially when bad things happen? What does that really mean? And as you look at the book of Daniel, what we're going to do today is do an overview of the book of Daniel because there's some themes in the book of Daniel that we have got to take in because that question is answered in the book of Daniel. Now, here's the backdrop of that. 2,600 years ago, it was the southern kingdom of Judah, northern kingdom of Israel, and what you had was the southern kingdom of Judah had been very disobedient to God, setting up pagan idols in, in the temple, golden calves, years of wicked kings who were worshiping idols. I mean, very sick idol worship that was happening there. And so God had promised the children of Israel, or the, the southern kingdom of Judah specifically, you're going to be exiled by Babylon. So when you read the book of Jeremiah, if you go there, he is speaking about what's going to happen there. He is telling them, get ready. I mean, if you just, I've been listening to the book of Jeremiah in preparation for this series to kind of just get my mind in the right place. And all it is is, get ready, bad things are coming. Get ready. The most wicked nation in the world is coming, and they're going to wipe you out. They're going to take you back to their land. You get rest. That was Jeremiah's message, the whole book. And so what you have here is you have Babylon, who was the most wicked nation on earth at the time. They detested God, comes in, and they exile all the people of the southern kingdom of Judah. They take stuff from the temple. People are being killed, and you had this guy named Daniel and his friends who are now transported to the land of Babylon. They didn't know the language. They didn't know the culture. And they're in a foreign land. And so as you read, read this here, the book of Jeremiah will give you a 30,000-foot view of the Babylonian captivity. It tells you bad things are going to happen. Here's what's happening. But what I love about the book of Daniel, it's almost like you're in MTV Real World. <laughs> Remember that show? You get to look into 
like the daily life of what Babylonian captivity looked like, like how bad that really was. And so as we look at this here, I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, and it kind of sums up the bad things that are happening. It says, the Lord gave him, that's King Nebuchadnezzar, victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him, don't miss this now, to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Pause there for a second. Read the Bible slowly. The Lord gave King Nebuchadnezzar victory. The Lord did. Can you imagine being the Jews there and watching your nation fall, being destroyed by wicked, another wicked nation? And, and Daniel, who is believed to have written the book of Daniel, says the Lord gave him victory. And not only that, he took the sacred objects of the Jewish temple back to a pagan temple. So things are getting really bad there for the southern kingdom of Judah. And what I want you to understand is Daniel understood a, a, an attribute of God that we're going to have to understand and talk about it. It's the sovereignty of God. I'm going to explain that more in detail. But in Daniel 2.20, Daniel is praying. And look at what Daniel says about what just happened in Daniel 1.2. He says, then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. That's good. But then he says, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. That's why you shouldn't get bent out of shape about elections. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Daniel was not bent out of shape that King Jehoiakim was removed and King Nebuchadnezzar was set up. That it didn't shake him. And in that time in his life, it seemed like things were just completely out of control. How could this be happening to his people? How could this be happening to him? And what I want you to understand here, what we see as a major theme in the book of Daniel is this, is, is God is in control even when life seems completely out of control. Many times we wonder what is God up to when our life is out of control, right? When chaotic things happen, when, when we have things in life that hit us. Many times if you have death or divorce or the loss of something, it, it just reinforces life is not predictable and stable and it scares us. But I'm here today to tell you on the first day of 2023, God is in control even when life seems out of control. But can I, can I answer the question, what does it mean for God to be in control? And I want to narrow down this word called sovereignty. It's very important. God being in control does not mean fairy tale endings happen. Because that's what people kind of want to relay to us, right? Something bad happens. Well, yeah, God's in control. Just trust the Lord. He's in control. And they mean well by that. But what we're led to believe sometimes is God's in control, so King Nebuchadnezzar will never take over. Things will not get any worse than they are. And I think that leads us to a version of Christianity that the Lord never intended for us. Because can I tell you, there will be times that the unpredictable and unstable and the things that you didn't want to have happen, happen to you. Life's going to seem out of control at times for you. And it's in those times, if you don't understand what Daniel understood about the sovereignty of God, you are going to be just debilitated by anxiety you will not know what to do 
And, and that word sovereign there, you have to understand that about God, his sovereignty. It means he's a ruling king. It means that he is on the throne and he will permit what he wants to permit and he will allow what he wants to allow and stop what he wants to stop. And I don't understand why he does that. And we have to be okay with God being a sovereign king. So for some reason in our generation, we turned into this whole thing, Jesus is my homeboy. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. You know, remember that stuff? I mean, yeah, we, yeah, we are. Don't get me wrong. But I have to reiterate to my son all the time, hey, look, look, look bro, uh, I might be your friend, but I'm still your dad. And I think sometimes we forget that we serve a ruling and reigning king who Daniel understood this guy will remove kings and set up kings, and I've got to be okay with that. I don't understand why God chooses to do what he chooses or what he allows what he chooses to allow. That, that is something I don't understand. And so here's what you have to understand here. There's a mystery in regard, regards to God's sovereignty, how he rules. There's a mystery to it. I think the problem with us is we try to become Sherlock Holmes, and we have Sherlock Holmes friends around us. That's what happened to Job, right? He's going through a tragedy, and all his friends are like, let me, tell, let, me, let me tell you why this is happening. Let me just break it down for you. You know, I've got all the answers. There's a mystery to God's sovereignty about why he rules and why he chooses and why he allows. And listen, we've got to stop being Sherlock Holmes, trying to figure everything out because it's driving us crazy. See, that started in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they wanted to know what God knew. That was their, their whole driving force. He's holding back. He knows things we don't know. He's hiding something from us. We need to know that. And ever since that happened, there's this hunger inside of mankind to know the things that's only relegated for God to know. And as you follow a sovereign king, you have to be okay with mystery with it. That's why it's written in the scriptures, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And listen, I have degrees in theology, guys. I've got more degrees than a thermometer. Like that. But, and, and I know all the camps and Calvinism and Armenianism and this and that. I, I know all of it. And I think theology is amazing. I love doctrine. I think it's really good. But here's the one thing I would disagree with with doctrine there's just a mysterious part of God that we won't figure out when it comes to certain things. There's a mystery in regards to God's sovereignty of why he would allow, why, why, couldn't, he have, why couldn't he have done it a, a different way for the southern kingdom of Judah? Why did he have to allow them to be exiled and people be killed, children be killed? Like, why? And I don't have the answer for that. But if you are going to understand that God's in control and you're going to be able to overcome the anxiety when life gets out of control, you've got to be okay with the mystery in regards to God's sovereignty to say, God, you rule and you reign, you are a king, and I will serve you with glad obedience no matter what the outcome is. Because that's what you see in the life of Daniel. And so here's what you have to understand, too. Even when sovereignty doesn't make sense, we still have a responsibility. It doesn't absolve us, because even when sovereignty just doesn't make sense, you still have a responsibility. Because here's what happens. Okay, if God's in control, and he removes kings and sets kings up, then why, why does it even matter for me? Why should, I, why should I be faithful? Why should I be obedient? 
God is sovereign, but we have a responsibility. A.W. Tozer gave a great illustration of this, because it's really, I'm telling you, I don't know if there's, just like the Trinity, there's not really a lot of earthly explanations. You can come up with some, but it's hard. The same thing with sovereignty and responsibility. Where does it start and end? He gave a great illustration. He said, imagine you're getting on a, a huge ship, and the ship is going from, you know, the, the east coast here of, um, you know, America over to Europe. There's a predestined port that it's going to land at, right? The people all get on there, the captain is driving the ship, and the people are free to do what they want to do. They can eat what they want to eat and drink what they want to drink and dance and have fun, do what they want to do. They're, they have free will. But the ship has a destination it's going to. That's kind of the same way with us. Is that God had, He does have a plan. He has, I mean, again, we know because, again, end times are unfolding, things are happening. We know He has this plan. We, he's planned things out before the foundation of the world, but we still have a responsibility. So even when God's sovereignty is a mystery and it doesn't make sense, we, you and I still have a responsibility. And the responsibility is to do what Daniel did and it's be faithful to the Lord no matter what's happening there. And I think many times for us when, when, when that happens, we want to absolve ourselves of responsibility and say, well, it just doesn't matter anyway. Why should I even blank? Well, that, ever is, that, that is for you. And so for me, you know, this happened whenever COVID hit, like, Again, I tell you all the time, it was the worst situation I've ever had to pastor in in my life. We're dealing with a huge pandemic that has shut the church down. We're not sure if churches will open up again or how they'll open up. We're also going through one of the biggest racial divides ever in our country. It was terrible, right? Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just a mess that we're all dealing with. I mean, it just seemed like life was completely out of control. Some of you have blocked that from your mind forever, right? You're like, I don't, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Well, I do. And to be honest with you, personally, with anxiety, because I have anxiety, and, and I, if I tell people, like, really, you have, I go all day about my anxiety, I survived COVID pretty well. Navigated, we got through it, we reopened. But I tell you what really hit me. Once we reopened, and this has been for a majority of churches in America, and as I work with other churches, I thought, okay, once they roll out these vaccines and masks go away, man, we're just going to go back to where it was before. And people just didn't show back up. Some never showed back up again. And we didn't take off like I thought we would. And it just, I'll tell you what happened to me. I felt like life was out of control. I felt disappointed. I felt hurt. I just went through these myriad of emotions. And, we, and I'll tell you what I had to, I got to a point in January of, I want to say it was 2021, and as into that spring of that year, I, I sat down with the Lord. I said, Lord, I need help because my anxiety is that I, I feel like, I just feel like, the, you know, I'm not sure if this church is going to make it. Like now we're doing fine, right? But not that we, then we, we really weren't. The Lord gave me two, two things. He said this. He said, stay focused and stay faithful. Stay focused and stay faithful no matter what you see around you. And I had to come to terms with that even though there's a sovereignty that doesn't make sense, I don't understand why, this isn't, why, why things aren't working out like they're supposed to, like we all have this fairy tale mindset, I had a responsibility, and the Lord said the responsibility is to stay focused and stay faithful. That's what Daniel did. He stayed focused on being faithful to God, even in the worst of circumstances. And, I, and I'm coming to tell you, I don't know what 2023 has for you, but some of you, and I told our dream team this this morning, some of you in 2022 would have never believed what would have happened to you if someone would have told you at the beginning. 
If we rewind it to last year and they said, this, this, and this is going to happen to you, you'd be like, you better get behind me, Satan. That ain't going to happen to me. And I don't know what 2023 holds for us. We have no clue. But I do know this. No matter what happens, no matter how out of control life seems, no matter how chaotic life seems, we can stay fo- focused and stay faithful because we serve a sovereign king, right? And I want to encourage you with that. So what do you do when life seems out of control? When God's sovereignty doesn't make sense, and it's this here, stay in step with God's sovereignty. I'm going to explain that. Stay in step with God's sovereignty. Because the book of Daniel, that's what Daniel did. He stayed in step with the sovereignty of God. Now, if it doesn't make sense, and it's a mystery, how do you stay in step with it? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. It's almost like a treadmill, right? The treadmill's moving, baby. You just got to keep walking. So how do you do it? And there's two major themes in the book of Daniel that if you're going to navigate 2023 and you're going to get through some of the times of life that seem out of control, there's two things. The first thing Daniel did and to stay in step with God's sovereignty is you've got to stand steadfast when you're suffering. The sad thing about Christianity in America is we have removed a theology of suffering and we've replaced it with a theology of hedonism, that God wants you happy. God wants you to experience pleasure, to have all the money in the world. God wants you rich. God wants you famous. He wants you to be great. Um, it is really a sick, twisted version of Christianity. And that is why most Christians cannot withstand any suffering. They fall apart. They lose their faith. They walk away. So I don't understand why God, I don't understand why. What, you don't understand why because you never had a theology of suffering. Suffering is a part of the Christian life, and it's usually where God works the most in us. And if you're going to stay in step with God's sovereignty and you're going to, you're going to you know, not let anxiety debilitate you when you hit those things, you've got to stand steadfast in suffering. Here's what Daniel did, Daniel 1, 3, and 4. It says this here. It says, The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Pulled completely out, completely out of his nation, dumped into a foreign country, and then he's got, and this is the thing, then he had to learn paganism. That's what that meant. Their astrology and all the stuff they believed, Daniel was in a foreign land, and he was suffering, not to see his mother and father ever again. Not, there's no more, you know, they didn't have Christmases, but think about it, no more Christmases, no more family gatherings, no more Jewish synagogue together. He is completely alienated from everything he has ever known. And what you see with Daniel through the whole book of Daniel is he stood steadfast. He would be unmovable no matter what happened. And I want to encourage you guys. When you face suffering, you have a choice to stand steadfast, to stay focused and stay faithful on the Lord, or you have a chance to isolate yourself, get all up in your feelings, make it all about you. Can I tell you, if you're going to stay in step with God's sovereignty and see his plan come to pass and be a part of his plan, stand steadfast in it. Get good people around you. Pray. Seek the Lord. You'll you'll find out what's really inside of you when you suffer. 
it's almost like a, if you have a jar of honey and a jar of vinegar, they, they look the same from a distance until you tip them over. Can I tell you, most Christians look about the same, posting their little cute scriptures on Facebook, little devotions and coffee, a little, you know, little, little scripture on the coffee mug there that you know, you know the plans God has for you. You all look pretty normal until you suffer. Then you find out how connected to Christ you really are. You'll find out if you're, if you're really connected to him for what he could do for you or for who he is to you. Stand steadfast in suffering. And then finally, here's what Daniel does. You'll see this through the whole book of Daniel. Stand out by being set apart. Stand out by being set apart. That's the second thing Daniel did. Because he was, again, all these little Hebrew boys, and they were brought in, and man, they had to learn. He stood out because he was always set apart to the Lord. If you want God to use you, if you want to make sense of the, the suffering and be able to have God use you and come, uh, see his plan come to pass, you've got to stand out by being set apart. That means you've got to set your life apart to the Lord. Here's what Daniel did. Daniel 1, 5 through 8 says this, The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. That's some good stuff there, y'all. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were the four, uh, four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. That's, a pretty bi- that's pretty big, four out of the whole tribe of Judah, right? The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But watch this here. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission to not eat these unacceptable foods. Do you know that he could have been executed for doing that? King Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked king, has given him choice food from his kitchen. And Daniel's like, the Jewish law says, the Torah says, and this, he was a Jew, I am not to eat these certain foods. He, re- he was willing to be executed over food, y'all. Some of y'all are like, I would have just ate it. You know, you've been drinking that wine, eating the pork wine. Like, I'm good. No, I'm good. Lord, please forgive me. He, he stood out by being set apart. See, in your life, and this is a theme that we're going to discover in Daniel, what you're willing to walk away from determines what God can bring into your life. And too many of us aren't willing to stand out by being set apart to the Lord. Now, you've heard the old preacher say you got one foot in the world and one, one foot in church. Hallelujah. Daniel was willing to be executed to be able to stand out and be set apart to the Lord. See, there's times in your life, guys, that you are going to face things that seem out of control. You're going to wonder, what is God up to? Why has God allowed this? Stand steadfast. Stay focused and stay faithful to Christ. The second thing that you and I are going to have to do when that happens is set yourself apart to the Lord. See, some people fall apart and, and they just, like, when they go through trials, they, they, they get on pills and medications and they, man, are, are addicted to things, overuse alcohol, I mean, go out and go AWOL. And then some people say, I'm going to dig in deeper to Jesus. I I want you this year, when you face those things and life seems completely out of control, 
to say, you know what, Lord, I can't control those things, but I can control my faithfulness to you. And that's what Daniel did. And the most amazing thing, you go see the book of Daniel, and this blows me away. He is dropped into a foreign country. Imagine right now you're dropped into the Middle East, right? Just dropped in there as a slave. And he ends up, spoiler alert, becoming one of the leading officials in the whole nation of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar becomes very interested in his God, into monotheism, because of Daniel. I'm telling you guys, it's amazing. Could you imagine being dropped into a foreign country as a slave, just like Joseph, and then all of a sudden, you are now one of the leading government officials. I'm here to tell you, if you're willing to stay focused and faithful to the Lord and stand steadfast in suffering, young people in here, if you'll just, if you'll just set yourself apart to the Lord, there is no telling how he can use you in your life. I want to encourage you in that because God wants to use you just like he used Daniel to influence the Babylonian cultures that you're in at work, that you're in with your family, that you're in all around you. And sometimes those situations all seem out of control, right? God's going to use you in that. We have a sovereign king. Stay in step with his sovereignty. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. And can we be honest, Lord? We don't understand sometimes why you would permit, why you would allow certain things to happen in our lives. But God, today we want to commit to you that we will stay focused, we'll stay faithful, we'll stand steadfast when suffering happens, when life seems out of control, Lord. We're going to lean into you, Lord, and trust that you're going to use us. So just like Daniel, guys, we look at this guy you used tremendously. We just submit ourselves to you today, our sovereign king. And we know, God, that you want to use us in amazing ways. That's why I pray that for every person in here, Lord God. Help them. Help us not to ask why, but to ask, oh Lord, what do you want from us in this situation? And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your next step is to surrender your life to Jesus. Whether you're in here physically or you're watching online today, you know that your next step is to surrender to the sovereign king. And maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you got hurt by a bad version of Christianity. I don't know what your story is. Maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus, but today is the day for you. So right where you're at, I want you to pray this prayer after me make this confession of faith it's just saying god i need the savior i'm sorry for all that i've done i believe jesus is lord i believe he's the son of god i believe he died on the cross and i believe he rose again on the third day now, God, I repent and leave my old life behind, and I welcome brand new life in you. I receive full forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Now help me to be faithful to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.